Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi everyone, it's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up in the hiking off season. Now, our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week, but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're going to call these episodes Classic Dock. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. Fear defeats more people than any other one thing in the world. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Thunder exploded again, this time even closer. Buddy, Chopper, and I were in our individual tents, and as night had descended, so did the storm clouds. We took refuge in our tents at our campsite at the Tyndall Frog Ponds, and I knew they were doing what I was doing, counting the seconds between the flash of lightning and the corresponding thunderclap. It had started off with about 30 seconds in between, but as the night wore on, that gap lessened with each flash. That last thunderclap exploded seemingly directly overhead. We were stuck in the worst storm in the area in decades, with only the material of our tents between us and the rain and the lightning, and we still had eight hours until the sun was going to come up. What had we gotten ourselves into? I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right. Thank you for tuning in this week as we take an in-depth look at a 34-mile section of the trail from Vedette Meadow to the southern terminus of the JMT of Mount Whitney and then on to Whitney Portal for our ride back into civilization. We're going to be discussing this section of the trail as we went through it in a southbound direction, and I'm very excited to welcome back to the pod uh, a couple of guys that is very now very familiar to our listeners, Chopper and Jukebox. How's it going, guys? Oh, it's great. How you doing, Doc? Good. The beard's coming in nicely. Uh, yeah, you know, it's so itchy, and uh, I need to get my hair cut and shave this thing off, so that's my, that's my goal for the weekend. That's good. I got a, I had a, uh, a comment on my beard today. This is Jukebox. I'm doing well. It's not really a beard, but apparently if I do not rub in my sunscreen all the way, it makes the hairs more apparent and they looked white. So I took that as a compliment. Yeah. The, good, good strategy for us uh, Norwegians. You know, the white, the, white beard, the white beard came in awful white for me this time. <laughs> like, whoa. I've got about eight weeks of growth on my cheeks and you can – you can kind of kind of see it from a distance now. You don't have to get right up next to the mirror and look at it. So it's starting to come in uh, maybe by uh, I don't know September. Yes, right. <laughs> Just in time for us to hit the trails. I'll look like a mountain man, so it'll be good. Now I have experienced this section of the trail in its entirety back in 2015 with Chopper, and then in 2017, Jukebox and I covered this during our trek down the southern half of the JMT. Way back in episode 12, Chopper and I talked about the section preceding this one, and we left off with us sharing a camp at Vedette Meadow with a couple of PC tiers, crumbs and naps. We got up early that morning while they slept in. We left them some extra food from our packs and began the long lead up to Forester Pass. Little did we know as we started out that sunny morning what was waiting in store for us. It was about to get a little wild. Remember that, Chopper? Oh, that was a uh, that was a pretty crazy day. It's uh, probably the most eventful day that we had on the entire trip for all the the whole uh, JMT. Yep, plenty of stories on this section. But before we get too far down the trail, let's get some stuff out of the way. Ratings and reviews, people. Thank you to the fourteen people out there who have given the pod a rating, and to the seven people who have left a review. You guys are all stars. But if I'm going to be honest, we should have a lot more than that. Listenership is way up. Um, so should the reviews and the ratings. If you are enjoying the pod, take just a couple of minutes and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. In fact, what I want you to do right now is pause the pod right now. Pause it. Go do your rating. Go do your review. And then come back and rejoin us right here at this, this particular uh, moment. All right. I'll go get Mrs. Chopper and have her start working on her reviews. Yes. Mrs. Chopper, Mrs. Buddy, they should have already left ratings and reviews. I don't know what's taken so long. All right. And as our regular listeners know, our campaign to have the state of Alabama, to have at least one citizen, one person who's interested in the outdoors and hiking, tune into the pod. It's been unsuccessful up to this point. And you know what? 
We still have no listeners in Alabama. We will not give up, though. Um, I would like to welcome our, 40, our 41st state to the pod. Hello, Montana. And our listener in Kalispell. Montana has some incredible hiking opportunities, but I don't know about you guys. The large animals in that section of the U.S. would make me nervous to be on a trail out there. I think, uh, I think Chopper, you took a, a family trip. Weren't you uh, near Montana? Yeah, we went up to uh, Yellowstone a couple years ago. Uh, but yeah, see, the big animals, you want to see them from the car. You don't want to walk up and pet them or have them come into your camp in the middle of the night, that's for sure. They're, they're big and mean. Yeah, grizzlies and moose, I mean, those things will do some damage to you. Yeah. I mean, the, the bears that are in the Sierras, are they'll leave you alone. The grizzlies, they'll uh, come in and just take whatever they want. Yeah. Jukebox, have you seen a bear yet? I saw a small bear running at that first campsite we had on our Precipice Lake hike. But oh, that is great. the only bear I've seen on the trail up to this point. Same for me, too. Was, I think that was called Bear Paw, if I recall. Yeah, very yes, apt bear name. Paw. It was that little uh, detour down. I believe we went right. down, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Bear Paw Meadow. All yeah, right. Hey, cool. guys. What was that, Chopper? I said I'm cool with that. I really don't want to see a bear in the wild. Yes. All right, guys. We have a new country listening in. Thank you for clicking on the subscribe button to our listener in Guwahati, India. I'm not sure what the hiking trails are like in India, but I'm happy that you're joining us on the pod. Well, if it's anything like Mero, that they got some pretty uh, intense hiking up there. True. True. Before we resume the trail, I want to talk about our next episode. I think this is too big to bury at the end of today's episode. I want to let everybody know that international best-selling author Keith Foskett will be joining me on our next episode of the pod. Fozzie, as he is known on the trail has hiked the PCT, the AT, the Camino de Santiago, and elsewhere throughout the world, and is the author of, I think it's six, six bestsellers about his experiences on the trail. He is a self-confessed dromomaniac. That's right, dromomaniac. Look that up. And he will be here next episode to talk to us about his background and motivation and to share some of his great stories from his, from his treks. All right. On to this week's section of the trail. Here's an overview of the elevation stats for this section. We're going to be starting off this section at just over 9,900 feet at Upper Vidette Meadow, and we will work our way up to the highest pass on the JMT Forester Pass at 13,110 feet. From there, it's downhill for the most part to the High Sierra Trail Junction at 10,410 feet. And then you're going to climb as you eventually reach Guitar Lake at 11,470 feet. Make sure to catch your breath there because uh, from that point, it is straight up to the Mount Whitney Trail Junction at 13,460 feet. And then another two miles up to the summit of Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the lower 48 at 14,505 feet. And then it's back to Trailcrest Pass at 13,670 feet which Trailcrest Pass is not officially on the JMT. JMT ends at Mount Whitney, and that's why it's not the highest pass on the trail. The highest pass, again, is uh, Forester Pass. But Trailcrest is, is nothing to, to sneeze at, 13,670 feet. You are way up there. And from there, it's almost uh, nine miles down to the Whitney Portal at 8,330 feet, where you can catch your ride back to civilization. We just covered a lot of ground in that brief summary, but it does not do that section and all that we encountered on it. True justice, does it, guys? Nope, not at all. Also, Absolutely. I can't figure out why they end the trail there and not at Whitney Portal. It's not like you can stop and get in the car up at that pass. Right, up on top of Whitney, right? Yeah. You have to be helicoptered out. Uh, I've experienced it, and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was also thinking. It's kind of peculiar that it ends at that at that port at the uh at the trail cross right now not at the portal but although your numbers are impressive that you read i think even the trail itself is far more impressive and in our instances of traveling through lady forester um more entertaining as well so i'm excited to get down to the nitty-gritty here okay 
All right, let's, uh, let's back up to our starting point. Back in 2015, we had just left several extra meals in the bear bin for crumbs and naps, uh, providing them with a little bit of trail magic there. And we strike out from Vidette and start the long lead up to Forrester. My, my initial impression is you're only, I think it's, you're maybe five miles from Forrester when you, when you leave Vidette, but that is a long five miles. I mean, it's, it's a huge buildup to get to that pass. Well, I mean, you go up a lot. Yeah. I mean, the camp was, what'd you say? 9,900. Yeah. And we got to get up over 13,000. So it goes up and up and up. It's, it's pretty extreme. The, the grade there is uh, definitely steeper than anything else in the area or anything we had done at that point. Yeah. Chopper, do you want to share kind of our experience in 2015 and how that day kind of started out? And when we, I think we, we took a breather uh, as we were kind of getting close and kind of the fog started to, to roll well, in. Yeah, I mean, we had a, it, a suspicion was, that, that things were going to turn on us. It wasn't a super clear day. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures and stuff. It was a little overcast, but it, nothing crazy. And maybe it's just because, you know, the elevation, you don't realize how high you're going and how the clouds are. But as we started getting closer and closer to the pass, it was all of a sudden the clouds came in. They, they, they just dropped on top of us. And the weather started changing quick, and it got cold. That was the thing I remember. It got cold fast. I mean, we knew what we were doing uh, clothes-wise, but – I didn't have the right pants. I didn't have the right jacket. It was just like all of a sudden I'm just wearing, you know, I'm wearing shorts and like a, a dry fit shirt. And it's like, okay, this is getting, you know, in the forties and it's going down to the thirties and then the wind picked up and the rain and it was, it was intense. Yeah. I remember being, being in shorts and uh, and a shirt and we stopped at one point to kind of grab our rain jackets and put our right. rain jackets on. But, um, I, I think you're right. I think it was in the 30s. And I, I don't think it's any any overestimation to say that the wind was probably, you know, 30, 35 miles an hour, which made it even colder. Yeah, it was. A, and you know, when the rain started and the hail started, it was like going coming down like a 45 degree angle and just pelting us. But it was one of those things we got we got to the and we talked about this in the superlatives episode as we started going up and up. It's like, OK, we're closer to the top than we are the bottom. The weather's changing. Yeah, it's cloudy up there, but we can keep going. It's it's not too bad. It's not and the higher we got, it was like we're going deeper and deeper into the storm and it was like we can't turn around. We just got to put our heads down and go. It probably wasn't a good decision, but it was, you know, it was what we decided to do. Yeah, in the in the rain and the hail and the wind and uh in the 30s in shorts, I remember I have this distinct memory of us taking a breather and uh, during that 30 seconds, you know, looking at each of us and, you know, the, the, the eyes were wide and I think, you know, we didn't communicate this, but I think the thought running through all of our heads is what in the hell are we doing here? Cause we turned around to look back to see, okay, should we turn around? It was like, no, it's way down there. <laughs> it's like, we're three quarters of the way up. We've got, we just got to keep going. Yeah. There, there was no thunder and lightning or anything at that point. So it wasn't, too scary it was just cold and like i said windy and wet yeah at the point where we took that break and looked at each other yeah i don't think there was any thunder and lightning at that point but as we got to the top there was there was thunder and lightning because yeah. i remember thinking here i am standing at thirteen thousand two hundred feet with two metal poles in my hand and and there's lightning strikes in the area this this cannot be a smart thing to be doing no and that's where we took the infamous pass picture yes which, uh, you know everybody's like okay let's lean in take the picture and it's you and buddy are smiling like you know got your hood down over your eyes and everybody's smiling and i look up like i just like i was totally surprised that you were taking the picture that is definitely <laughs> a picture to post on social media for this for this episode one of my most proud moments and actually i think one of the funniest things that i know you have used that picture as a part of motivational speeches for people at work and uh it was the don't be a <laughs> So I heard that from years from people. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, Jukebox, what, what is your recollection of uh, Forrester? So I remember we had come down from that same day that we did Forrester, we had come down from Glen. And is that, that's correct, right? That's correct. Two passes yeah. in one day because we were, we were in beast mode. Right. So I remember coming down from Glen and thinking, okay, I see Forrester in the background. 
And I remember hiking up to it and thinking, okay, this isn't too bad. And then as soon as we got to the, the best way to describe that point in the trail is where you're kind of thinking, okay, which way are we going up to the pass, right? And so we kind of got to that table that there, there was a couple of little, uh, little ponds up there, if I remember correctly. Is that, do you remember that as well? Yeah, yep. I think so. Yeah, there's some ponds and then the trail kept kind of getting a little more obvious. And then I remember at one point, it started to get really cold and I think it was raining. And I remember we took a, a pit stop and we said, okay, let's put on some gloves, you know, let's get our rain jackets out. And then after that, we kind of were still hiking up the normal trail until we eventually got to where we had to go through snow. Um, and the snow was fun, but it was also a little, uh, a little sketchy just because, you know, there was a, there was, a bunch of people in front of us who had already done the snow and you never know if it's going to hold up for your foot foot here or there. And, uh, you know, also the storm kind of rolled in. I felt like it got worse as we kept going up. Um, and then I remember we just hiked across the mountain there pretty much on the snow. We just kind of, I don't know if it abbreviated the, the regular trail, but I remember it not being the, the, uh, the longest stretch of hiking, right? I don't. Yeah, I there was. A, I wasn't was a, able to see the the actual trail because we were just hiking. One of, those, one of those shortcuts you get when you're just going in the snow, where you just go yeah. Snow. There was yeah, a lot that of was snow. Definitely it. A lot of snow in 2017. I don't think we had hardly any, if any. I don't think we had any on Forester no, we when no, when we no. went in 2015. But 2017, lots of snow, and there were two memorable crossings in my mind. One was kind of a vertical. We kind of just went straight up. Uh, the spine of this huge snowfield, and then we had to traverse to our left. Uh, and I've got this great shot of jukebox in the distance. He looks like he's on an Arctic expedition. He looks like he's he's. Uh, uh, it's not. It doesn't look like it's the Sierra Nevadas. It looks like he's he's off in the snow, um, like at, at at Everest or or some Arctic mountain. I don't know if there's mountains in the Arctic, but uh, sure. It, it, it sure seemed like a picture from the Arctic. No, the uh, traversing the spine there is – I have also have a great picture of I'm looking down at you and you can just – you can tell by – you can tell by the picture of the steepness of that slope. And it wasn't – I don't remember that part being particularly sketchy or nerve-wracking, but I think going left across the mountain there to get to the pass was definitely more treacherous because I think – in addition to having to hike through snow, our stopping points were rocks, which were also slippery and wet. And so it was never a, a sure thing as to our footing. Yeah, the, the walk up for us when we did it, it was cold and wet, but it wasn't scary until we got to the top. And that's when the weather really hit hard. It was like, that's when the rain just just started coming down in buckets. And then the, that was the point where the uh, trail became the stream. So it, it was, it was the way down for us that I, I think was the, the scariest part. Right. You guys remember, or, or do you know uh, the origin of the naming of Forrester Pass? No, but I bet you'll tell us. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so Forrester Pass is the boundary between Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon National Park. And it was discovered by a group of United States Forest Service workers and was named in their honor. So no, it's not a Mr. Forrester. It's a, a group of rangers, and so it's called Forrester Pass. Very nice. And I believe this was the last section of the JMT that had to be built, and there was some tragedy in its creation. Uh, on August 26, 1930, a boulder was dislodged during blasting operations on the trail, and it injured four men, including 18-year-old Donald Downs, who, um, whose arm, his, his arm was crushed. His arm was later amputated in an effort to save his life, but Donald died on September 2nd, 1930, of complications from the injury. And there's actually a plaque in his honor along the trail uh, coming down from Forrester Pass. And I didn't know about it when we went through in 2015. I did know about it in 2017, and I looked for it and could not find it. So it's, it's not in a prominent place that, that I'm aware of. Was it covered in snow, maybe? I don't think there was that much snow coming down on the other side. No, there there wasn't snow on the other side. And I remember also looking for it pretty 
pretty thoroughly, and I, I could not find it. So, Poor Donald. Yeah. The, the other side of Forrester, when we finally got down off of that, that uh, river-soaked, water-soaked trail, it was one of the funnier episodes um, that I experienced. And that was I, I made the decision to put on my rain pants. I was still in shorts at that point, and it was still raining, and I was freezing. And so I, I think I recounted this in an earlier episode. But... We were basically off the hill, too. Yeah. You know, the flat area, and you decided, now I'm going to put my rain gear on. Yep. Took my pack off, grabbed, grabbed my rain pants, uh, pulled them on, uh, realized I had put them on backwards, so I took them off, which I didn't take my shoes off. So this is quite a chore, quite an exercise, getting those pants on, on and off over my shoes. Uh, pull up the pants again, realized that I had them on the right way the first time, and now they're on backwards, and proceeded to curse out the entire world and uh, scream at the wind and tell, tell uh, Buddy and Chopper to continue without me as I, as I figured out the complexities of putting on pants in, in the cold. I just remember you pulling off to the side and saying, okay, I'm going to put my gear on. And I was, hypothermia had set in. I was shaking like a leaf. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I wish I had stopped to watch. And just get a, <laughs> a little marmot on the, on the rock watching you do that. Uh, so, you know, that little marmot learned some new words that day. There, I do recall. That's one thing I do recall. I was, uh, you know, a lot of expletives coming out uh, from me too, it, <laughs> screaming at all the thunder and lightning. It's like, it felt like the right thing to do at the time. I, I think it was almost fitting that I got to hear about uh, your guys's journey for two years, and then sure enough, when I get to do Forrester myself, it turned out to be kind of a mess as well. You know, I, I of the people I've known who've done the JMT. Quite a few of them have forester stories. It's, I mean, it's an intense area because you're way up there and just the shape of the mountain where it's so severe, I think the storms kind of get stuck on it. Yeah, I have a challenge for our listeners. I, I want to hear from one of our listeners out there that has gone over Forrester in an uneventful way. It's been nice and sunny. There was no snow on the ground. The birds were <laughs> chirping. The marmots were happy. Everything was just, just rainbows and sunshine. I want to hear about an experience on Forrester like that because I don't know if that exists. Well, you know, he wants to do the southern half. He hasn't done that yet. <clears throat> and it's like, oh, maybe I'll figure out a way to skip Forrester and uh, meet you somewhere on the other side. <laughs> Get airdropped in by your chopper? It scarred me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also remember um, we, were, we were soaked, freezing, and we hiked on for probably another couple of miles to get down into the trees, uh, try and find some shelter from the storm. And you and Buddy set up your tents, got in there to kind of dry out and, and uh, warm up a little bit. And as I was, I was really debating on whether or not to go through that exercise of getting out the tent, setting up the tent, and then breaking down the tent when we eventually got going again. So I decided not to. I kind of just stood under a tree for a little bit. And then <laughs> lo and behold, the, the uh, blue skies appeared and the sun came out. I found a big flat rock that I just spread eagled on and fell asleep for like a half an hour it was, it was incredible it, it took me at least a half an hour to stop shaking i was so cold because i mean i was drenched and i just took everything off and just crawled into my sleeping bag and i was just shivering like i couldn't believe and just i remember when i finally came out of the uh tent the sun was out and it looked like a yard sale we had just all of our stuff spread <laughs> all over the place under the trees and you're off in the distance snoring on a rock and uh i think uh, buddy was still snoring in his tent he had fallen asleep and i just remember we just kind of we all just kind of sat there for about 15 20 minutes and just kind of recentered ourselves okay what the hell am i doing how do i get the hell out of here we're two days away from being done but it was that was that was a real shock to the system yeah, I've got some great pictures for that, too, of, of, of the yard sale. And then we just kind of sat there and hung out. Sun came out. It was totally beautiful. Got some great uh, photos of just the area. Just, you know, looking down in this really nice valley and mm -hmm. really relaxed and mellow. It was beautiful. Yeah, Jukebox, you remember, you remember our problems coming down uh, that section of the trail? Oh, yeah. I remember coming down from Forster. It was it was wet. The water was running everywhere. And then on top of that, a lot of bouldering. Do you remember that? I think that's when I said I was done bouldering the whole trip. I, I don't know what I would have done if I had to boulder again, but mm -hmm. I also remember we had to stop because I think you were really hungry. No, 
<laughs> hungry and thirsty, think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I think we stopped kind of – there's, like, a hillside to the right as you're walking down to Tyndall Creek, and there's, like, some trees and some water, but I think we had a hot meal there, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, and it was difficult. I remember it was difficult finding a water source during that stretch. I think we were, all, we were both out of water, and we were looking for just somewhere to filter the water that we had enough water to have some dinner because I think our goal was to get to Bighorn Plateau that night and we fell a little bit short of that but we we stopped and had a hot meal i think we were actually filtering water off of a, a trickle coming down some rocks i mean it was it was it took a while to, to get enough water for for food yeah a a couple of memories from that exact portion of the trail was i ran into a guy who asked if i had a smoke um <laughs> i ran into some fishermen who were also out there fishing they had pans they were clanking as they were hiking along and then I also remember you and I elaborating on how awesome the bullhorn was in NXS's the uh, the lead singer competition about when he uh, pretty Vegas that song. So I remember those are some key memories from that portion of the trail as well. That is definitely a pretty Vegas section of the trail for us. Now we played that music over and over again. That's funny. The the weird little things that you do when you're on the trail it makes it makes so much sense at the time and it's the funniest <laughs> story ever <laughs> come back and you tell people and they just stare at you it's like yeah. what are you talking about yeah <laughs> listeners right now are scratching their heads going why am i listening to this pod that <laughs> <laughs> in the review yeah so if you think the excitement's done it's not because uh, 2015 we chopper and buddy and i made our way down to i think it's called the tyndall Tyndall Frog Pond right. campsite and um, Tyndall Creek, Tyndall Frog Pond, uh, Mount Tyndall are all named after John Tyndall, who is a professor of natural history, uh, natural philosophy at the Royal Institution in London in the mid and later 19th century. What is uh, natural philosophy? Like just sitting out and being zen? I'm not sure. I'm just glad that jukebox degree is not in natural philosophy. I'm not sure that would earn a lot of money these days. But we got to uh, the campsite there and we, as you remember, we've just come off Forrester and, and the storm and everything else. And so we're looking forward to just a, a nice night of sleep and, and getting some rest and, and making sure we're dry. And that uh, is far from what happened. Yeah, well, we, we kind of looked around, too. It's like we were below 10,000 feet. Let's, you know what, let's break the rules a little bit and, and make a fire. We know what we're doing. We're going to be totally contained. So we found a few rocks, made our own fire ring, and we were just about to light the fire, and the, the, the ranger walked up. Say, hey, guys, how you doing? It's like, there's no fire rings here. Where'd that come from? We're like, oh, it was here when we got here. <laughs> He's going to look at us like, just just take it apart. <laughs> Which we did. We, we scattered the stones and the, uh, the, the fuel that we collected and decided, okay, well, I guess no fire tonight. We're going to be cold and, and damp. And I even remember debating on whether or not to put the rain fly on. Because that's what I was thinking, the same thing. It yeah. was raining when we were sitting in camp and when we went to, uh, went to bed that night. The, the rain really didn't start till just after we all got in our tents. And then the rain really hit. That was the... Uh, that was the craziest storm that I've ever personally been involved in. You know, we, we live on the West Coast, Southern California. We don't have big, giant thunderstorms. So maybe people from the Midwest or back East are going to laugh at this. But that was the craziest thunderstorm where you could literally hear it rolling up and down the canyons. It was, it was super cool in that regard because once it started, it was, you know, 20 miles away. You see a flash wait a few seconds then the thunder would would roll up and down the canyons and then it got closer and closer and closer and there were a couple of times where the the flash of the lightning and the boom of the thunder were right on top of us there was no break and if, if my tent could rattle it would have been rattling it was it was super intense yeah it was the biggest storm I've ever, I've ever been in and it was like you said eventually it, it, it rolled right on top of us there was no time lapse between the lightning flash and the thunder crash it was it was i would it was scary it was yeah. I, you didn't know if you're gonna hit by lightning or not it was right on top of us well because we were you know it was a wooded area but it wasn't it was that high plateau area 
And it's like, okay, we're pretty high up, relatively exposed. So if there's bolts of lightning coming down, they're gonna, they're gonna be hitting the clump of trees that we're in. And that's when I realized it's okay, we're not you know, in a cabin or something like that out in the woods. We're, I, I've got some nylon protecting me from a bolt of lightning. It's not gonna do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how frequent were the, the, uh, was the lightning and the thunder? It was, it was, they were, they were pretty, you know, it, it felt like every 30 seconds. It may have been yes. every five minutes, but it felt like every 30 seconds. Yeah. Did you get much sleep that night? I didn't. I think uh, I got, I got maybe, I don't know. It felt like a half an hour of sleep. And it was dumping rain too. It yeah. wasn't just the thunder and lightning. It was torrential downpour. It was crazy how much was coming down. And jukebox, what do you do when you're trapped in your tent and the lightning storm is right on top of you? It is pouring buckets and you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's a good question i got to put on your rain gear and get out there i guess it depends I on what would you do that yeah, was the dilemma on... i i i was in that situation man i had to i had to go bad and i didn't need a shovel it was it was number one not number two but uh, i i did what jukebox does when we're in a we're in a car on a, on a long distance trip what's that fill the water bottle that's filled up a water bottle. That's right. That's right. There's no way I was going outside in that. That was crazy. Yeah, my first my question was going to be it depends on what number you have to do. I think that uh your experience in 2015 kind of gave you some PTSD because when we came around there too, I remember you saying, "Oh, we need to put our rain flies on." And I was <laughs> like, "Well, it's not even raining." And then but sure enough, it did. It did end up raining that night and I remember um, I think since we were ahead of schedule, I also got to splurge with an extra thing of hot meal of ramen that night. So that was a, Tyndall Creek was good to me. It was a big, big night for you. Yeah, definitely. It, it wasn't no chili mac, but it was a, you know, extra, yeah. extra ramen. <laughs> Thank goodness. It was not the fabled chili mac. I think I would have been in a, a precarious situation as well. <laughs> yeah, next morning, that storm was so bad. The next morning, Buddy, Buddy went in search of the ranger to find out if, I think it was Shepherd Pass was, uh, was was in good enough condition for us to get out and ranger said nah that hasn't been maintained it's probably washed out now and the, the funny part was buddy reported that the ranger said wow that's the that's the worst storm i've ever been a part of in the last uh, 15 <laughs> years here and, and lucky us we happened to be there for that well, and then she came back and it was walking through and she was hitting every campsite checking in on everybody because i mean it was it was a a big deal and she was like everybody good everybody's fine and she goes i remember there was two guys who went and they were going to spend the night up at uh was it bighorn uh, uh yeah. plateau yeah and she's like did you see them did they stop here did you and have you seen them this morning she was really concerned that they were up on that plateau getting uh getting whacked yeah and what do you, that, that was one of my favorite um scenes from the JMT was, was Bighorn Plateau. I thought it was just, just, uh, it really framed nicely in my mind. It just was beautiful. And I had wanted to try and get there and camp there uh, with Jukebox that year, but we fell just a little bit short and we, we, we stayed at Tyndall again, but um, really a, a gorgeous scene. It kind of, there's a, a, the trail goes right through a section of Bighorn Plateau and it seems to be that on you know on the right side it's all green and grassy and on the left side it's more uh dirt and kind of chaparral it's just a really cool image well it's kind of a funky place because it's really wide open like you said it, it's not a normal spot on the trail mm -hmm. it's there's no trees anywhere and it's not like you're super high we're up in the rocks it's just a big flat kind of dirt area it, it looks totally different than anything else on the trail yeah it's also nice once you get up on that plateau i remember uh it gave a great view of looking back at the uh the mountain range behind i remember being able to see pretty far to both i think to the left i think it kind of kept going down that valley there yeah great views great views it, hey but that, that, day, that day is just kind of a boring day because you know you're you're just trying to get to Guitar Lake so you can get up and over and out, out Whitney. It's, yeah, uh, I was going to take a little break here, but uh, you, you brought it up. I mean, this next section uh, between Bighorn Plateau and Crabtree Meadows is just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of nondescript. It's f mostly flat, I would think, is my recollection. There's some trees yeah, that you kind of wander through for a while. 
Yeah, you're just, you're just marching along, putting in the miles. You like I say, I, I think part of it's the anticipation of okay, tomorrow we got to go over Whitney, and you're thinking about that. Okay, I got to get prepped for it. I got to get my mind around it. And we had just gone through that big storm, and we we're all nervous. It's like, oh my god, if we get hit on that, yeah, and we're up at, at the top of Whitney, it's going to be you know that much more intense. Yeah, but uh, Jukebox and I did run into a one very helpful gentleman on the way to Crabtree Meadows, and when we come back from the break. I'm going to tell you what that, uh, that old-timer had to say to us. So stay tuned. Hang on there. All right. Welcome back. Uh, so when we left uh, – talk about an old timer we ran into who was heading the opposite direction in 2017. We stopped and chatted in this kind of no man's land between Bighorn Plateau and Crabtree Meadows. And he shared that one of his favorite camping spots ever on the trail was this, it's a small flat area, probably enough room for about six tents. He said, uh, up just below the sign for the Mount Whitney trail. So up just shy of, of Trail Crest Pass at the, the sign that points you, you know, two miles this way to Mount Whitney. He said there were six campsites there, and it's a dry campsite, so you have to haul up all your, your own water uh, from, from below, take it with you. But he said the, the views up there were spectacular, and uh, when we heard that, I was bound and determined that that's what we were going to try and end up that day. Yeah, I remember uh... – I remember when he had first told us, it was fairly early in the day, right? It might have been around, what, 9, 9, 9 10 a.m., something like that? I think so, yeah. And, and uh, you know, we joked about our, uh, our buddy Skids after Silver Pass. He claims he saw the Lone Ranger that was uh, – or the, uh, what was the Lone Indian, what was the name of the – The Lone Indian, that's right. The Lone Indian. He claimed he had seen it, and this guy, after telling us it, it seemed almost like he was mythical, like he was – like John Muir was reincarnated right there to tell us to get up to that campsite at Whitney. Um, and I remember it was kind of inspiring for us because I think that that trek from Tyndall Creek all the way up to Whitney was definitely a, a – a, somewhat monumentous feat for one day and so i remember thinking like okay well now we have a goal you know let's get up there we can camp up there it'll be nice so yeah and the the funny thing is is we didn't catch his name we didn't catch his trail name or his real name in the, that conversation but somehow i was able to connect with him on facebook through one of the one of the the john muir trail uh groups Somehow I described something in, in one of my postings about this campsite and he came forward and said, Hey, I'm the guy that gave you that advice. And so, you know, we're now <laughs> Facebook friends and still, you know, we see each other's posts occasionally and, and interact with each other. So Rick, if you're out there listening to the pod that this is, this is about you. And I want to thank you again for, for giving us that tip. Silence. No response from Rick. No, no response from Rick. Okay. <laughs> so we, uh, you remember when we got to Crabtree Meadow in 2015, Chopper? Yep. That was, uh, the meadow was, well, you're talking about when we were at the lake that's right where on the, uh, the high Sierra Trail? Or? No. So before, you, there's the, uh, remember there's a, a cooler out there uh, next to a sign. Once you get past this point, you have to take a wag, oh, a yeah, wag yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. no more. There's no more. There's no more pooping in the dirt. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta take your poop out with you. So about that. You gotta pick up a wag bag and take that with you when you're in the Guitar Lake, Mount Whitney area, and pack out your own, all your, all your own waste. Uh, don't leave any any surprises behind for anybody else. It was at that point I said I can wait till uh, Whitney Portal. I'm gonna hold it. That's right. Because otherwise you gotta hold it and you gotta carry it down there. That's the right. So you, your choices are you can hold it or you're gonna have to hold it. So, yeah. And also, you know, another freak rainstorm kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, no, it was, right it, it was sunny it. and then boom, crash, and we're all wet again. So That's right when we pulled into the, to Guitar Lake and we were just setting up our tents and it started raining again. And I remember I just started screaming expletives. <laughs> and everybody else, had hung, everybody else who was in the area was in their tents already. 
and I'm just yelling and screaming and setting my tent up, climbing inside. <laughs> and once the rain passed, everybody kind of kind of comes out and apologizing to this young couple who was like ten feet from me. <laughs> They're like, no, no, it's totally cool. We got it. So our listeners by now, they may have picked up that the chopper is pretty easy going. I mean, he he kind of just goes with the flow, doesn't get perturbed by anything. But this was, he, he was bent out of shape when it, it started raining again uh, at, at Guitar Lake. And he was trying to set up his tent. It was, yeah, I'm it not, was, it was comical, but it was, it was not comical. I'm not a religious guy, but I was pointing to the heavens and uh, swearing uh, out loud. It was kind of, <laughs> not one of my prouder moments, but it was pretty funny in hindsight and then we did that was another one of those camps it was just like it's real rocky there because you're you're pretty high and we're just sitting on the rocks and there were marmots everywhere because i think a lot of people spend the night there mm-hmm. so they can go over whitney the next morning so there's there's a there's quite a few people and the marmots are just everywhere and they were just eyeing us for everything we were eating and it's like put it down put it down i'm gonna grab it i'm gonna you put that down i'm gonna go get it mm-hmm. and it was a i think uh, one of us did some sort of voiceover video with one of the marmot sneaking up on the other guy (laughs) it was hilarious at the time (laughs) and we we had planned we had talked about no we're going to do a sunset uh uh, uh, sunrise a sunrise summit of mount whitney are we going to do mount whitney i think at that point in 2015 we had just been hammered over and over again by the elements uh, starting with that Forester Pass and then the night of the, the thunderstorm and now the, the rain at Guitar Lake. And we actually ended up foregoing Mount Whitney on that trip. Yeah, well, we, we woke up early-ish. We decided not to, you know, try to get the sunrise. It's like, you know what, let's just wake up at, you know, five or whatever and just get up and go. And went up and over the hill. It wasn't a super hard climb. I don't remember anything really crazy. I, you got a long way to go, but it wasn't extremely difficult. But we got to the to trail pass, and there's a section where everybody drops their bags and takes the left and goes across to Whitney. And uh, Buddy was like, you know what? I've been there. It's not that exciting. Let's just get the hell out of here. And, and the two of us were like, that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's just go home. I think if I remember correctly, it was right at that point. We tried to get a hold of our wives who were picking us up at Whitney Portal. And it's like, and we sent him a text or a note or something on the set phone. It's like, we're, we're going to be ahead of schedule. We should be down at the bottom of the hill by noon. You know, we'll, we'll meet you there and hit send. And then we just started, we just started straight down the hill. We didn't even second guess going to Whitney and I'm still kicking myself for that. Yeah. So I regretted that. that. Day, we, I'm still pissed. We got, we got home from that trip and I thought, why did we do that? We should have, we should have gone we, up to the top. We've done, you know, whatever. 110 miles at this point what's yeah. another few miles what's the big deal right yep now i gotta go all the way back up there just to go touch the uh touch the base on uh, whitney yeah and so luckily i was able to kind of redeem that in my trip with jukebox two years later and uh we did not stop a guitar we actually uh, had that goal of that that campsite at thirteen thousand uh, four hundred feet uh just below the sign there and I was getting nervous because we're getting late in the day and it was, um, you know, there are only six spots up there. And so I did not want to get up there. I didn't know what we would do if we got up there to that spot and all those spots were taken. And now it is, you know, six o'clock. And where do we go from here? You just, you just find a corner at the, on the trail and it's like, screw it. I'm just going to spend the night here. Yeah. So what I did was I sent Billy goat, Billy goat jukebox. I said, Hey, Use your speed, get up there, get us, get us a campsite, get us, get us one of those spots. And man, he was gone. Lickety split up the trail. He disappeared. I remember feeling a little bit guilty because you were struggling and I was thinking, okay, well, I'm, I may get up to this camp campsite, but what if something happens down there that I need to get back to? And, uh, you know, luckily I had my headphones, not that I didn't use them on the trail at all. Um, but then when you told me to get up there, I said, okay, let me plug in some good tunes here for motivation. And I remember just thinking, okay, one switch back at a time, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I kept looking at the, the mountains uh, across the way, you know, how you kind of gauge your distance, how far you're going up by your view of what's kind of opposite of you. And uh, I remember just keep getting closer and closer and closer. And I was like, man, these are, these are just as bad as they described 
as uh, as Doc, Buddy, and Chopper have described them to be, all the way up to the trail crest there. But uh, eventually getting up there and just waiting for you, Doc. So it all worked out though. Yeah, and you, and there were two guys there already, right? But the but there were four campsites open. You got us two of them, and then somebody else kind of filled in later in the day. And I remember about that climb up from Guitar up to Trailcrest. Um, I really enjoyed it this time for whatever reason. You know, I was, I was on my own. I mean, you were up ahead of there, up ahead, you know, getting our sights. But I was on my own, and just the, the, the amount of progress, how quickly you make that progress going up is just amazing. And the views that particular trip of Hitchcock Lakes – Mm-hmm. Uh, were were absolutely gorgeous. Some of the best pictures I've taken on the trail uh, were on the way up um, to that campsite because the the clouds, the sky, the water, the snow—it was just it all came together, just gorgeous. Yeah, I mean it's a tough climb, but there was something about it that wasn't as crazy hard as some of the other passes. It's long, and I remember when we woke up in the morning, you could see people's headlamps up on the hill walking back and forth and it was like okay that's just where we got to go yeah it'll be cool no it's 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 tough but it's uh i didn't think it was as overwhelming as uh like mather pass kicked my ass worse yeah yep agreed i don't i don't know if you want to give a uh also a quick shout out doc those two brothers from new york who were up there i think they we had nick we had some nicknames for them they had climbed mountains in new york what are those mountains called i I can't think on the East Coast, not the Appalachian Trail, but something. Oh, I know, I know. Keep talking. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, yeah, but I believe I believe one of them wanted to be. I think he was an English teacher, actually, which you know brought up some communication. I said, "Oh, my dad used to be an English teacher," so you can talk to him about that. And I think you know, I don't know how they heard about the campsite, but we ended up chatting it up with them a little bit I did before Doc got there and then we hiked up to Whitney um the Catskills came back down the Catskills there you Catskills yeah. yes that's yep. right the Adirondacks is the other uh, mountain range yeah yeah so jukebox you want to tell you want to talk about how what we did once we we got to that campsite and we 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 uh, set up our tents and what we did after that wait I actually do think it was the Adirondack Mountains Adirondacks yeah yeah um but once we did so I believe once we got up there, we set up our tents, right? We, I remember being nervous about marmots and stuff, other little creatures up there. So we threw um, our bear cans inside of our tents and some other valuables. And I think I was the only one that just took a light pack up, um, kind of like a day pack type of deal. And we both bought our hiking poles and we just climbed up to Whitney. Yeah, and it was it was fantastic because by the time we got up there, it was almost sunset, and I think there was one guy up there kind of poking around, looking around, uh, but other than that, it was just me and Jukebox on top of uh, the tallest mountain in the lower 48. It was it was kind of epic. So if you're at 13-4, you're pretty close to the, uh, the cutoff at that point. How far, yeah. How far was the campsite to where you make the cutoff to go to the top of the peak? It was right there. I mean, I remember right just there? going up yeah. like one more switchback probably. And then oh, okay. the sign was right there. Yeah. yeah. What, 50 yards, 100 yards, and then the sign, and then you, you make the turn and you, you head up there. And cool. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I kind of jumped ahead of this, uh, talking about getting to the peak so quickly. But the kind of walking along that trail, that those two miles to the top of Whitney, you kind of walk between these granite fingers that you actually you – can, you can peer between – and see the Owens Valley and uh, Lone Pine and and the other side of that of that mountain range. It was it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, not to get too uh, emotional or soft on the podcast, but the way the sun was setting on the the uh, the side away from the Owens Valley, so the opposite side from where we had come from, and how it was kind of presenting the nature and the mountains back there is the light it was illuminated it was like wow we've done all of this and then it was kind of gloomy not gloomy but like a fitting darker image of the uh civilization we were going to return to shortly thereafter so i i think it was it, it was it was emotional you know it was it was a long journey so i was grateful that we got to experience that 
very symbolic, metaphorical there with the light. Yeah. Well, that's the weird thing about Whitney. It's like you said, the fingers, Doc, when you're down driving up, uh, was it 395? You can mm. see the fingers. It's not a peak. You should, you, you should figure Mount Whitney, the tallest in the 48, should be a peak, you know, the flag at the top. And it's just, it really does kind of look like a ridge. Yeah. It's, it's a different type of mountain than other areas. It definitely does not look like what you would expect it to look like. Right. It, it did look like the Matterhorn or something, you know, where it's like yeah. really sticking up and pronounced. That's right. That's what I was exactly thinking. It was not that it was the image of it was lackluster because the whole trip I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to see this huge mountain with snow on top of it. And that's going to be Mount Whitney bigger than everything else. But it was just a little bit bigger than the stuff around it. And, and there, it wasn't a peak. It was just, it was just a hut up there on a, on a ridge, but the view was great. I could see why you'd want to go up there. Yeah. And talk about, talk about uh, not <laughs> recognizing it or not realizing what it should look like. I, I've got a funny story for you. So Mount Whitney was actually named for Josiah Dwight Whitney, who was the state geologist and chief of the California State Geological Survey from 1860 to 1874. And in, eight, in July of 1873, W.A. Goodyear and M.W. Belshaw, I'm not sure what the initials are all about, but uh, uh, that's all I have. W.A. Goodyear and M.W. Belshaw summited what they thought was Mount Whitney, but it was actually the wrong peak. <laughs> By the time they realized their flag and they're all proud and high fiving each other. <laughs> by the time they realized their error and climbed the actual Mount Whitney in September of 1873, it had already been summited for the first time in August of 1873 by John Lucas, Charles Bagoli, and A.H. Johnson, who were local residents of the Owens Valley. So they went out yeah. in July, said, Hey, we're going to climb the tallest mountain in. Uh, in the lower 48, they thought they did it. They left, they came back, they told everybody they did it and they realized their mistake. And so they go back two months later to do it, to find out that somebody, you know, just some local residents of the Owens Valley did it uh, the month before. And you know, those guys are sitting in a bar and like, oh yeah, we did that last month. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, exactly. And that, that campsite at 13-4, we came back down to that after we summited and uh, made dinner looked at the amazing views of uh, Guitar Lake, the Hitchcock Lakes, back at where we came from. And it was just, just one of those epic moments, just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy up there. I'm actually looking at one of the pictures while we're talking, and it's, the funny sign is when you get to the top of Trail Crest, it, it's, it reads, Trail Crest and John Muir Trail, pets and firearms prohibited. Like you got to get all the way up there to, you know, got to put the dog back in the car. Yeah, I'll be right back. Let me, let me go put, uh, let me go put the dog back. Yeah. The, so, uh, or go ahead, Doc. Sorry. Oh, that's good. Go ahead. I was going to start about the, uh, the trek down to Whitney portal, but go ahead. If you got something else. I, I, no, no, I, my part of my story is about the trek down to the portal. So go ahead. If you want to introduce. Okay. Well, what, a funny story from 2015 is, you know, buddy did typical buddy things and was talking to people up at trail crest pass and chopper and I are looking at each other like, Oh, we got it. We got to get out of here. We've had enough. We got to get down to the portal. Time to go home. It is time to go. So we took off and figured that Buddy would just catch up after he was done buddying up with people. And I got it into my head. It would be, it would be funny if the people coming up the trail, because at, at this time of the day, uh, there's a lot of people doing the one day trek up to Whitney and then back down again. And so there's a lot of people on the switchbacks coming up, the 99 switchbacks. And I thought, you know, it'd be funny if everybody coming up were to greet Buddy by his trail name. Just call him Buddy. Hi, Buddy. How you doing, Buddy? And so I must have stopped. What do you think, Chopper? 30 people? 40 people? At least. At least. And uh, explain to them, hey, you know, we got a guy behind us. The next guy in the, in the neon green shirt you're going to see coming down the hill. Uh, he's very excited about his trail name. It would make his day if you called him by his trail name. Just greet him. Just say, hello, Buddy. How you doing, Buddy? And I thought that would be hilarious that, you know, he, he encounters 30, 40, 50 people who call him buddy, uh, it's complete strangers to him, but all know that he is buddy. And the funniest one I remember, there was an Asian guy and I don't think he spoke English and you went through this big, long prep for, okay, there's a guy in a green shirt. We call him buddy. And, and he just looks at us. He's like, buddy, 
yes. And he gives us two thumbs up and walks up ahead and, and Buddy was laughing. And he goes, I remember that guy. All he did was say, he just said, Buddy, and walked by. It's <laughs> like, I loved it. It was one of the, it, that, that gave me so much joy because every person you talk to, they're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And apparently every one of them stopped and said, hey, Buddy, hey, Buddy. Yeah, because we stopped at that lake down at the, the base of the 99 switchbacks and right. fil we're filtering water or waiting for Buddy. And sure enough, here he comes and he's got this big grin on his face. And I said, how long before you knew? And he goes, oh, I knew after the first person, you know, he <laughs> said, said, hey, Buddy, how you doing? I knew you guys were setting me up. So that well, was, one that was funnier, hilarious. One of the funnier ones was when we were at that lake because there was a, a couple people who were camping there. And we told them the whole story and they looked at, at us like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And we're like, all right, it's going to be like that, whatever. And five minutes later, Buddy comes walking in, and the guy just looks at him and goes, hey, Buddy. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was so excited. That made our day. Yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. And probably the best part of 2015 is when we got down to Whitney Portal, that last nine miles, and we got to the Whitney Portal store, right? And we had... What do we have there? We had a burger and beer. Burger and beer. Big old burger too, boy. In fact, I, I built this up in, in Jukebox's mind. I said, hey, when we get down, we gotta have a we gotta have a burger from the Whitney Portal uh, store. You're not gonna you're not gonna believe how big these burgers are. Greatest <laughs> burger of all time. Even though that was in my mind, Jukebox also had another thing on his mind, a number two. And not being able to get rid of that on the way down was brutal. I, I'm not even – I S-H-I-T you not. I don't want to be profane on the podcast, you know, because we might have some listeners out there who are sensitive. However, Obviously, I might have set a land speed record on the way down from Trail Crest to the Whitney Portal. I was hustling, running full pack. Luckily, it was lighter because we'd eaten all of our food, but I was running <laughs> down the trail. I, I must have been waiting to, for Doc for 45 minutes after I had already hit the bathroom. And that's down a there. long downhill, too. That is just – It was yeah, never-ending. That was another stretch of trail where I found myself on my own because Jukebox was off looking for a bathroom nine miles distant. I'm not going to lie. I passed the ranger on the way, on the way down, and I thought, what are the odds I run into another ranger? <laughs> on the way down <laughs> catch me there but i was a good hiker and i kept it in yeah because otherwise you got to carry the little doggy bag and nobody wants to do that yeah that was too much shame and after i had built up the burger we got down to the whitney portal store and they had a problem with their water and so they were closed they didn't have clean water so they couldn't operate the grill and there were no burgers to be had no i was so so disappointed so you know, 2015, we didn't do Whitney, but we got the burger. 2017, we did Whitney, but we didn't get the burger. Maybe I might have to do this a third time to see if I can, if I can get this right. I said, he, want, he wants to go up and over, so uh, we, we got to set a time to, go, to do it again. I'd be interested in doing that as well. And even though we did not have a burger, I do remember I had a Coca-Cola out of a can, and I got a Mount Whitney sweatshirt that is still my favorite sweatshirt to this day. I wear it often, so... In a nice. continuation of the story when we were at the pass and we sent the message to our wives, once we got to Whitney Portal, we actually had signal and we called them. They didn't get the message. They were still at home. And we were like, you know, four hours ahead of schedule. And they're like, we were just about to pack up and go. So uh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. That, that was a lot more time for beer. Yeah, exactly. But at yeah. that point, it's like you had, two, you had a burger and two beers and my stomach was like, oh, God, <laughs> I just need to lay down. <laughs> If you guys are interested, I mean, we could we could go in over Kearsarge Pass out of Onion Valley, come in between uh, Glen and Forrester, have that chance to go over Forrester again, and and I guess summit I, Whitney. Uh, Big E's been trying to figure, uh, been trying to convince me to do that for the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm I'm sure he would definitely be up for it. Nice, we got to plan in. that. We also, Doc, you and I, we did not have the famous Whitney Portal Burgers. Uh, but we did have some golden arches after our, our way down the mountain. So that was well, good enough. We did the exact same thing. Once once the wives came to pick us up, they were like, oh, my God, you are the smelliest crew. Even <laughs> after we had changed into our uh, fresh clothes. And they took us to uh, the, the same Mickey D's right down there. And just like, I just wanted a chocolate shake. It was so <laughs> good. <laughs> if, 
if they could if they had the chance they would have hosed this off in the parking lot <laughs> it, was it was phenomenal crazy. Nice. All right, guys. Hey, we're at that point of the of the of the episode. Uh, pro tip, insight of the week. I'm sure we could find one here. Um, I think it's uh, you know, if you're going out there, I was a little unprepared for the uh, for the cold and the wet. I didn't have the the right kind of rain jacket. I had a rainproof jacket, but it had no insulation. So I would recommend having a little bit a little bit more robust uh, bit of a. Uh, weather protection going up and over Forrester. Yeah, I would, I would say something along those lines is when in doubt, just put up the rain fly, you know, you, you, you never know when it's going to start coming down or the, I feel like it even helps a little bit with the wind and keep you a little warm in there. So You're never I would just say rain. that. Two yeah. very, two very good points. Great tips. Uh, be prepared for the cold. Make sure you pack right. And when in doubt, use the rain fly. Excellent. Excellent job guys. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 20. Special episode 20 is in the books. And what an episode it was uh, with this last part of the trail. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I want to thank my, my two co-hosts for helping me out here. Please make sure to tune in next week as we hear from Fozzie about his stories from the trail. It's going to be an incredible episode. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. I'm going to drop a bunch of pictures from, uh, from this trip as a preview course you'll have already seen it and listened to it at this point but that's okay uh, we are on instagram and twitter and if you have any comments or clips you want to share you can send it to me at john at gmail.com that's a rop that's a rop that, that's where i am right now that's a wrap from the john freaking mirror studio any final thoughts guys no looking forward to be uh, introduced to fozzy there should be some fun stories same i'm uh i'm looking forward to next week's episode and uh I'm definitely going to get a uh, roll tide. We're coming for you. I'm still, <laughs> still after you. Go get Bama. I'm going to, I'm going to have Fozzie uh, do a shout out to buddy chopper, jukebox, slow-mo, BA, big E, all of our, all of our co-hosts. So we can, we can have that uh, for posterity. Very, nice. Very cool. All right. Thank you for tuning in and always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill, doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.